Good morning. Good morning to those who are here and those who are at home. So uh, have you, like me, maybe I should ask how much have you complained about the switch from daylight savings time to standard time? It just seems like it gets dark so early. And, and it stays dark so late in the morning. One meme this week said, if it is dark anymore during the day, we won't even have to bother to get out of bed. <laughs> well, be thankful that you don't live in this place. Um, Barrow, Alaska. It's also known as Utkiavik. I don't think I said that right. But uh, it is a town of 4,400, the northernmost town in the United States. The sun set there this week. It'll be back up in 66 days. January 23rd is the next sunrise there. They have what's called polar night. I don't think I could do it. Uh, Dark, too dark. Darkness and light. They're part of the message of Advent, the coming of Jesus. They're the heart of the message that the writer, the author John, in his gospel, light and darkness are the heart of the message that he shares about the coming of Jesus. Today is the second Sunday of Advent. A lot of you picked up the Advent family activity kits last week in the check-in area for WL Kids. Good job. Hope you're using those to be able to focus and be intentional about thinking through the meaning of Advent. It means coming. And this is the season of remembering the coming of Jesus, his birth, and how he came, and why he came. Our sermon series this month is titled, Let There Be Light. And we're going to be in John's Gospel. So if you take your Bibles, or or your device and open up to John chapter 1. That's where we're going to be. So in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the fourth gospel. Matthew and Mark, uh, Matthew and Luke both start their gospels with the family line of Jesus and a birth narrative. Mark doesn't do that. Mark jumps right into the ministry of John the Baptist and then what Jesus was doing. John is unique the last of the Gospels, because he starts by talking about a journey. Jesus' journey from being God the Son in eternity past to the journey to coming to be man, born as a child. That journey is the start of the Gospel of John. John was the disciple. He's one that was closest to Jesus, his inner circle, during Jesus' earthly ministry. Um, John's the one that's called uh, in his gospel, the the one whom Jesus loved. She's close to Jesus. His gospel is all about the preexistent, incarnate word coming to be Messiah, coming in the one we know as Jesus, the crucified and risen Savior of the world. This is a, the last of the Gospels. It's 90 AD when John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, records uh, a set of events in Jesus' ministry. 
And John has a purpose in what he records. He tells us at the end of the book, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why he collected this series of events. John's gospel has been called a gospel of decision because every one of us has to make some decisions. We're going to choose light or darkness, faith or unbelief. We're going to choose life in Jesus or death. Light and life and salvation, they come only through faith in the one we call Jesus, whose birth we focus on and celebrate. Uh, Let's look at John, the beginning, first paragraph. It was in the compilation that we read together, and so this will uh, sound familiar as you've already read it this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word, uh, as folks heard in the beginning, Reading that, your mind goes where? All of John's readers or hearers would have gone right back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word. Oh, so it would take them right back to the first day of creation. John is, is creating a parallel between the work done in the old creation when the physical world and universe is created, spoken into existence by God, paralleled with the work of God in the new creation when he takes broken by sin people like you and me, broken on the inside, and he makes us a new creation because of faith in Jesus Christ. He's paralleling the work was done then by someone. The work done now is done by someone, and it's the same person, the one he calls the Word. The word, word, is in Greek, it's logos. It's same as you'd have a word in a sentence. But he picks this word because it's a bridge word. It's one that meant something to the Jews, and it meant something to Gentiles, to non-Jews. To Jews, it meant God in action. Because Psalm 33 said, the way God had worked in creation, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Isaiah 55 says God's word goes out from him and accomplishes his purpose. It does not come back not having done its work. The word, when a Jewish person heard that, God in action, he's at work, he's on the move. He's creating. To a Greek hearing the word, word, that said to them, reason, or what takes the chaos of the world and and makes sense of it? Think organization. 
the organizing principle of the world, which to a Greek included lots of gods, little g's, and it was all chaos with them and how they treated each other. Whoops, what organizes all of it? What makes sense of all of it? The word. And so in John's gospel, the word refers to God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God in action, the organizing principle. So the word has come. And to anyone hearing and reading John 1, 1, the word, the, the Son of God has come in human form, He did what? The word has come. The word is Jesus. And he has come to reveal God, to be God in action. The word was with God in eternity past. The word was God. The doctrine is called the preexistence of Jesus. So before he was Jesus... He was God the Son forever, eternity past before creation. God the Father, God the Son. He was with God and was God. And then the miracle of he takes on flesh and comes as Jesus. Preexistent. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So John, the gospel of decision, calls us to decide. Choose. Choose what to do with him. He has come to reveal God. The the word is Jesus, so listen to him. He is communicating to us what God wants to say to you and to me. So we need to choose to listen to him. What does he want us to know? So uh, we're going to get opportunities to do that. We need to read his word. We need to be in his word every day, all of his word, even Leviticus. <laughs> all of his word. And I'm excited. Uh, you heard it this morning from, uh, from Pastor Kip. Here's one of them. There's a bunch of them at the Info Center. Uh, we're going to be in God's word together in groups as a church family. I am looking forward to the collective energy of us encouraging each other along when we get to the spot where we're at Mount Sinai and it's chapter after chapter after chapter of law. We're going to have to encourage each other. Keep going. Listen to him. Choose to listen to him. He has come. The word is Jesus. So we choose to listen to him. We choose to organize our lives on him. Everybody chooses a way to organize their life. And the predominant mode of organizing life right now is to build it, organize it on self. My job, my kids, my freedoms, my rights, my money, my schedule, my homework, my me time, my self-care, my hobbies, my causes. Life organized around self. We're called in the Gospel of John because of the coming of the Word. We're called, nope, that's a dead end. 
that is not going to get you where you want to go in life. Uh, the better choice, the wise choice is organize your life around the word. The organizing principle of life is Jesus. He said later in his ministry, whoever would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. God calls you and me to choose to build our lives, to organize our lives on Jesus rather than on self. Um, This lady became well-known during the pandemic and the shutdowns. Lots of people watched her show Tidying Up. Marie Kondo, all about decluttering and organizing. I wish it was true that I went to my sock drawer once in life and organized it and tossed the ones I haven't worn and, and had them. Does that work? Uh, or you go to your closet and think, okay, I'm going to declutter. I haven't worn that in 15 years. It's out of here. Wouldn't it be nice to do that once? Organize your life once and that's it? Doesn't work that way, does it? I have to choose over and over and over. What am I going to organize my life around? Self or Jesus? And this morning, God's calling us to think about how are we doing with listening to him? How are we doing at building things on him? So I want you to bow with me and take a moment to reflect. And we're going to pause right here after the first verse. The word is Jesus. He's called us. He's revealed God to us, and he's called us to listen to him. How are you doing with that? Kev said, start thinking about it right now. You're going to join the challenge and listen, be in God's word in 2023? Father, we need your help with turning away from self to organize ourselves on what you've said about who we are and what you've called us to be and to do. And we are a people of distraction and short focus And we need to reorganize and reprioritize and go back through the drawer again and say, no, there's too much time going into this and not enough into this. There's too much energy being put into this and not enough into this. God, would you please make this a season of reorganizing, reprioritizing in our hearts and lives as we think about your coming and why you came. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the word is Jesus, and the creator is Jesus. Verse 3, through him all things were made. What difference does that make? That's what we need to think about this morning. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. There are other places in the New Testament, we read several this morning up here that talk about Jesus' work in creation as the pre-incarnate, pre-existing Son of God. Colossians 1, for in him all things were created. All things have been created through him and for him. 1 Corinthians 8, there is but one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things came and through whom we live. Hebrews 1, In these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. 
The word is Jesus, and the creator is Jesus. The word was in act, God in action at the first creation. And he's God in action in making us new when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. He is the pre-existent creator, and he's now come to earth to redeem and to restore. Don't let the infant fool you. It's nice and quaint and warm and fuzzy, but he is the king come to redeem and restore the world he created that has now been broken by sin. He is going to reverse what sin has done to the world that he created. And he's come to bring a new creation to anyone who puts their faith in him. He's come to be the savior of broken by sin people like you, like me. So this gospel of decision calls us to choose. Choose. What difference does it make that he's the creator? Well, if he's the creator, and he is, then I owe my life and my existence to someone. And it means I answer to someone. And because I answer to someone, I submit to someone. My creator God. If I'm self-existent, I'm the product of billions of years of chance, wonderful accidents. I'm self-existent. I don't answer to anybody. I don't owe my life to anybody. Maybe my mom and dad. But it's, again, about self. John's gospel calls us, by pointing us back to that pre-creation time, uh, nope, there was somebody in action then, somebody in action now. Will you answer to him? Will you submit to him? Will you recognize that the creator is Jesus? I'm not self-existent. Many of you know the story of Lee Strobel, investigative journalist in Chicago, um, well-known, really, really bright. His wife became a follower of Jesus. He was ticked. Committed atheist. He decided he was going to investigate and he was going to get to the bottom of this Jesus thing she was part of now and he was going to disprove all of it. He's not the first one to try that, by the way. And the conclusion he came to was, oops, she's right. He's God. He's Savior. I'm not self-existent. I answer to him. Here's how he said it. Uh, To continue in atheism, I need to believe nothing produces everything. Non-life produces life. Randomness produces fine-tuning. Chaos produces information. Unconsciousness produces consciousness. And non-reason produces reason. I just didn't have that much faith. And so John, right at the start of his gospel, is pointing us back to uh, why should we give our worship to him? Why should we trust him with our lives? Because he's 
the creator. Apart from him, nothing that has been made, nothing made has been made. So I choose to answer to a creator. I'm not self-existent. I don't just let life be determined by my appetites, my emotions, my desires. They don't define me. I'm not the captain of my own ship. And boy, is that hard for us Americans to swallow. But there's freedom. The whole idea of self-existent, I'm defined by what I want, my appetites, my desires, that's a dead end and isn't going to get us where we want to go. So this morning, second Sunday of Advent, have you trusted him? Have you entrusted your life to him? I'm going to ask you to bow again and take a moment for you to reflect on the choice. Have I submitted? Have I placed my faith in him? Am I willing to recognize him as the one to whom I answer? That means I no longer am self-determinative and self-existent. There is such freedom in turning away from self to turn to our creator, loving, forgiving Savior God. Father, make this a season, please, where we don't take for granted your coming. Make this a season of decision and turning and following you. And I pray for anyone uh, watching at home here today in person who hasn't yet made the choice to follow because they aren't sure if they can trust you, aren't sure if they should surrender their own uh, right to self-determination. Would you please uh, draw them by your love? Convince them they need your forgiveness and bring them to a point of decision and turning. There's such freedom and joy in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The word is Jesus. The creator is Jesus. And Jesus is the light. Verse 4, in him was life. John uses that word more than any other New Testament book. Life. He's talking about physical life, the material word, world that we breathe and we have a, a temporal life. It's wonderful. It's amazing. But he's also talking about spiritual life, eternal life that's given as a gift to all who will trust him and follow him. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus is the light of all mankind. Light. Calling light forth into creation was God's first act in creation. Let there be light. And there was light. And he's now pointing to Jesus, the the spiritual light brought by Jesus into a sin-darkened world. And Jesus' light shatters that darkness, dispels the spiritual darkness. At the first creation, darkness was on the face of the deep, Genesis tells us, and God called light into being. At the new creation, with faith in Christ, the light of the word 
breaks through spiritual darkness. Apart from this light, the world of mankind is shrouded in darkness. There are a number of scriptures that talk about Jesus coming as light coming into darkness. Isaiah 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. 1 John 1, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. John chapter 8, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said in John 9, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. With the birth of Jesus, the word become flesh. God sent true spiritual life-giving light into the spiritual darkness of our world. Light and dark tells us in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. Light and darkness are taken as symbols. Light is a symbol for goodness, truth, holiness. Darkness, symbol for evil, falsehood, sin. How dark is it in our world? We can't even have a soccer tournament without corruption, political dispute, bigotry, anger, you name it. Uh, How about war in Ukraine? City of Kherson right now in the center of all that's gone on. A couple more mass shootings in our world. And if we didn't have enough in the violent side, we've decided that we're in charge. So in our nation, pivotal point this week. We now redefine marriage. We'd already sort of done that. But what we've done is we said, God, you can take your creation order, what you set up in Genesis, and you can take a hike because we're Americans and we know better. Watch, it's a pivot point. And what makes it so tragic, it won't really change anything. We've been living with this for years already. It won't really change anything, but you know who's gonna pay the biggest price over the longest term? Our children. Our children. How dark is it? But let's not talk about out there. Let's, let's bring it home. Our community. I had a junior high uh, parent, mom, say to me this week, the middle school is a dark, dark place spiritually. So that's why we need to be praying for our students and praying for our educators. Um, Talk to our educators. They see it every single day in their classroom, the impact 
on the children of what's gone on at home in terms of abuse and neglect and fatherlessness and the breakdown of God's design for the family. Seeing the results of it every single day. How dark is it? We need the second half of verse 5, don't we? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light of the world cannot be overcome by the power of darkness for all its hostility. Similarly, darkness cannot overcome those who walk in the light. The Word is Jesus. The Creator is Jesus. He is the light of the world, and He has come to defeat spiritual darkness. So this gospel of decision calls us to choose. Choose light. Choose light over darkness. John 12 says, believe in the light while you have the light so that you can become children of light. 1 John chapter 1, this is the message we heard from him. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Choose light. Choose to be light. Choose to reflect light in a dark place. I've been praying this week for the three from our church, Pastor Kip, Daniel Sandoval, and Brent Hollinger, down in Cuba this week. This morning, Daniel and Pastor Kip are teaching in our sister church in Moa, Cuba. When I was there a few years ago, I was struck with how dark it is. You can't go there without feeling and seeing the darkness spiritually. Um, It's an officially atheist nation. It's communist. Um, You're allowed to be a Christian, but you will be watched. There's spying everywhere. There's ratting on people everywhere. The economy is a wreck. People struggle to feed their family. You don't walk into a store and see multiple things. You have a ration book, and you turn in your coupon and get your rations for the week. And children don't belong to their parents. Children belong to the state, and the state will teach them what they should think. It's a dark place. But do you know how much time our brothers and sisters in Christ in Moa, how much, and the other church planning efforts around them, uh, do you know how much time they spend talking about it or fretting over it? Zero. I ask them questions. They just don't talk about it. It is what it is. We're called to be light in the darkness. And do they reflect the light? Our brothers and sisters in Cuba, we get to reflect the light as well. You'll have choices this week, choices to reflect. Rather than grouse about the darkness, we get to reflect the light. So you're going to have situations this week, tomorrow. where you get to walk back into your classroom. It's bright, isn't it? Isn't that what you want them to say about you when you go? We get the balcony, too. (laughs) Reflecting the light. You walk into the workplace tomorrow and go to your desk, 
You walked into the factory tomorrow. Here you are, reflecting the light, choosing the light, walking in the light, so when you come in, they're going, ooh, because it's a contrast to everything else there. You're going to the work Christmas party sometime this month with all the other employees, or there's a carry-in at your workplace. What are you going to be? You're just there enjoying the party? Or you're talking with someone about, what does Christmas mean to you? Why do you celebrate it? How do you celebrate it? Who's it about? Why did he come? We get to choose to reflect the light. We've been talking all year about bless. Do you know the holidays are really hard for some people? Christmas is brutal for some. Broken families, step families, uh, custody things with kids, um, people that have lost a loved one over the last year, and this is the first Christmas with an empty chair. You can listen. You can choose to bless by listening. You can walk into the, the break room. You can target that person at work, your coworker that you know is going to have a harder time at Christmas, and you can sit down and ask the question and actually intentionally listen. How are you handling this Christmas? What are you feeling? How can I pray for you? None of what you're going through right now is a surprise to God. We're going to have lots of times where we eat. It's part of blessing. Eat with others. We get to choose to reflect the light as we are eating. What do we talk about? How do we talk about more than the traditions and the gatherings? And you getting together with family this year? Uh, yeah, one of the biggest parts of Christmas for us is our family goes to a Christmas Eve service. So before we have all the other stuff, we, we focus on what we're celebrating. You want to come with us? It's one of the most important parts of what we do at Christmas. We get to choose to reflect the light. doesn't matter what the setting is, an event for your kids at school around Christmas, it's your interaction with coworkers, we get to choose to reflect him. Jesus is the word. He's come to reveal God, God in action. So we listen to him and we organize our life on him. The creator is Jesus. Come to recreate what's been broken by sin, you and me. So we answer to him. And Jesus is the light. Come to destroy spiritual darkness. So we choose light. And we choose to be light and reflect him. Let's pray. Become God wanting to be used by you in a dark, dark time. No darker than it's been other centuries, other times, other generations of believers but you put us in this day and this time and this place for your purpose. You planted us here to represent you, to reflect the light of the world. We need your help for that this week. We're going into settings this week. 
where it's hard to be light. But you've called us to that. You'll empower us for that, and we want to be that. Thank you for the privilege of worship and what it means to us, especially in this season. Thank you for coming to be our Savior. Amen. Let's go reflect and be a blessing this week. Good morning.